Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right. The weather's going to give you a chance to dare to dream what it's going to be like in this spring. But guess what? It's not going to last long. Going to get cold again. A little bit of snow headed our way later in the week and next weekend. But there's still plenty to do as far as thinking about the garden, planning ahead inside plants and more. And to do that, the best. We have got Doug Oster, everybodygardens.com, Tribune Review, and also from the Tribune Review, Jessica Wallace. Your number to dial to be on the program, 866-391-1020, 866-391-1020, or Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdkradio.com, or you can text us on the right automotive line, the best deal in town. Right now, though, the 10th caller wins a $25 gift certificate from Sorgles in Wexford at 412-922-1020. Good morning, you two. Good morning. Welcome to the Organic Gardeners. I'm Doug Oster from Everybody Gardens and the Tribune Review. And I'm horticulturist Jessica Walliser. Breaking news. The gardening Santa will be at Han Nursery today. This guy, you know, Santa, he's just awesome. <laughs> today from 2 to 4, it's a great way to get free photos of kids, the family, or pets with Santa. Lots of refreshments will be served. There's also a pizza food truck there. So, And come. I have seen the setup on social media. <laughs> it's awesome. Of the location where the gardening Santa will be positioned in the greenhouse, and it is literally surrounded by a sea of poinsettias. Yes, yes, it it's is beautiful. It's definitely Christmassy. Going to so. be gorgeous photographs there yeah. for sure. It's just so much fun uh, and so easy. There's rarely ever a line. Uh, so come on down to Han today from two to four and see the gardening Santa. I have to get a lot of work done today, Jess. I, I still have. A big witch hazel shrub to plant, and uh, my American hornbeam. I've got my other trees in, mm-hmm. and I also have 50 daffodils still left to plant. And today's the day, <laughs> you know, it's got to happen. And it's going to be a good day for it. Yeah, good day for these things it. happen. The work doesn't get done, but it needs to be done today. I, I've got to get these stuff in. Otherwise, I have to winter them over and heal them. You in. don't want to do no, that. No, no, I just yeah. want to get them in the ground. They're big. That witch hazel is going to be. Do you know I'm, the variety? I, I don't. I'll okay. have to look at it, but I'm excited about yeah. that. Witch hazel is one of my favorite. I mean, if, if anybody out there is looking for a plant with some really unique winter interest, I mean, witch hazels bloom in the winter. So, you know, not many shrubs and trees. It's, it's do really that. funny because I saw one blooming actually at the end of October. <laughs> hmm. uh, you well, know, depending on the variety. It's yeah. just a wild, I think it's yeah. a wild one. It was at North yeah. Park. So, you know, that was kind of cool. But yeah, I remember going to Frick Park. Uh, for a story and seeing one in December mm-hmm. blooming. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's going to be cool. And then also I've got a good winter plant blooming right now, uh, the hellebore. They call it the win- winter rose, mm-hmm. uh, Helleborus niger. And I have I love that plant. Uh, but when I first discovered it, before I knew anything about gardening, a friend of mine from where I used to work in Youngstown, she's like, oh, a friend of mine is giving away this Daphne. <laughs> I don't oh. know why they thought it was a Daphne. I'm like, she goes, you want it? You're not even close. <laughs> I know. You want it? I'm like, it's free? Yeah, I want it. And so, you know, hellebores don't like to be moved. And so I moved it, put it in a spot. Three years later, it started blooming. Uh-huh. By that time, I knew the difference between a Daphne and a hellebore. <laughs> and I called her up. I said, 
that ain't no Daphne. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I figured it out too. That's that's a pretty cool plant though. Yeah, to have something that is blooming yeah. now, starting yep. to bloom now is really cool. I, I really like that. And just that that interest this time of year, even even just with the foliage to have something green, uh, you know, because the hellebore foliage is evergreen and that just adds a lot of uh, interest to the garden too. So far, the trick that I learned from Brent Heath with the crocuses Soaking the crocuses in some uh, deterrent. I used deer deterrent. I used uh, a Bobex. Has worked spectacular. Last year when I planted my crocuses, I could see the chipmunks. Things were them digging them up, mm-hmm. but nothing has touched them yet. It might be also that I was a little later mm-hmm. in my planting when the chipmunk wasn't as active. Mm-hmm. Like chipmunks now should be just like right. I'm sleeping. So if you're soaking them in deer deterrent. For a little while before you I'm plant just them. I'm actually kind of spraying them, and there's just a little okay. bit on the bottom, so I kind of mix it up. It's not like they're not floating in it. Okay. It's just there's just a little bit on there. That's a preventative for now, but... That's what I was going right. to say. I mean, obviously, it right. doesn't last for multiple years. It gets, it gets rained on a couple of times, and it, it's out, so it would just really meant for a one-year thing. It seems that when you first, in my experience, when mm. you first plant them, they're able, they see something is going on or they can smell them or there's one not too deep. But the other ones that I have that come year after year mm. usually And see, my persist. experience has been the opposite. Like they don't find them the first year that I plant them. And then the next, you know, they bloom in the spring and they're beautiful. And it's like the bloom is a signal that, oh, hey, there's a bulb here. So uh, come dig me up. And that's then well, actually, that has happened. when I have the That problem. has happened too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everybody's chipmunks are different. That's the lesson in all of it. Yeah. Do I have time to tell a chipmunk story? <laughs> So I always refer to my best friend when I talk to Jessica. My best friend from fifth grade, Ed. Yeah. What's Ed? My best friend from fifth grade. Yeah. Like it's like it's his last name. Yeah. <laughs> um he was having something eat his beets. And he was like, I'm like, well, it's gotta be you know, he's got it fenced in little vegetable garden. It's like it's gotta be uh gotta be rabbits, you know. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking <laughs> he's like, there's no way a rabbit could get in there. I'm telling you, this is you know, and finally he saw it. He saw it. It was chipmunks mm. eating the tops of his beets. And so he actually built, <laughs> out of hardware cloth, a cage around his beets, and it's it's worked. And he's putting, like, bricks on top and everything. Uh, I actually did a video a couple of weeks ago that included the pictures of it. Uh, you can see it on Everybody Gardens. But The extent gardeners go yes, to, I know, to protect I know, I know. our hard-fought I lost, I lost, And I was telling you, I lost my Swiss chard and my beets to chipmunks. And you would say, well, it's got to be something else. But- like the Swiss chard was up in a container three yeah. feet off the ground. Huh. I've never had that happen before. That's some hungry chipmunks. Oh, it's a pain. Little ninja chipmunk. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. They like their greens, I guess. I guess. Who knew? All right, listen, the winner is Claire of Pittsburgh of that gift certificate. And don't forget Janoski's. We have a gift certificate coming up. It's the second day of their Christmas open house out there in Clinton today. I'm wearing my Janoski's hat that Rob gave me. Well, that was from Mike, and he said they go to special people, and you're a special person. All right, 866. I've heard that my whole life. 391. <laughs> no <laughs> comment. 1020 or uh, Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdkradio.com, or you can text us on the Red Automotive line, the best deal in town. All right, Doug and Jess ready to go to work via the phone, so let's say hi to Lee in Irwin. Hey, Lee, welcome to KDK Radio. How are you? I'm good. Good morning. Morning. I had a question about daffodils. Okay, okay go ahead. Can you... I planted a bunch of new daffodil bulbs the end of October, first part of November, and the ones that I planted close to the house are coming up. 
Are they going to die? No, don't worry about it. I've got some close to the house that are coming up, too. These things happen. It's awful early, but I actually was blowing leaves the other day, Jess, and I saw just little yep. one-inch nubs, and no, it'll be okay. Their I, little noses poke out sometimes just to check the weather and all that, but they'll just they'll be fine. They can tolerate, um, you know, pretty consistently cold temperatures, and you won't have any problem with them blooming in the spring. I, I inherited some that were that are right next to the front of the house, between the sidewalk and the house, and they always bloom way too early. Mm. But they always somehow, even when they're in the bud and it gets really cold, I mean really cold, 17, 16, they still bloom for some reason. Even when they're blooming and they've got that cold weather and they've fallen over, they kind of resurrect. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's hard not to worry about them, though, isn't it, Lee? <laughs> yeah, it is. I don't have to cover them or anything. No, 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 no. You'll do more damage than good. Yep. Just leave them go. And even if you get a big pile of snow on there, they will be just one. Fine. One less job to do, Lee. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. All right. From Irwin to Bethel Park, here's John for Doug and Jess on the Organic Gardeners on KDK Radio. Good morning, John. Good morning, Doug and Jess. I forgot to apply holly tone to my uh, holly and my uh, azaleas in the fall. Is it too late to put a patch down? I wouldn't do it now. I would wait till the spring at this point. Um, Yeah, you don't want to, you know, and and actually... I prefer the spring myself over fall just okay. because I wouldn't want to encourage any new growth that could be nipped by frost. How late, late in the spring? Uh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can do it, in the, do it in the spring, but I yeah. thought you were supposed to twice a year. Well, you know, it depends on who you talk to. The fertilizer bag okay. is probably going to tell you twice a year because they want you to buy more fertilizer. It's, usually, <laughs> it's, usually it says, yeah, uh, normal application in the spring and then less in the fall. But this is this is too late. You don't want to. Yeah. Have you know? I'm in the same boat as you are, John, because I got a bunch of holly tone really cheap. Uh, a, a, re- a, a reader had sent me a message saying she found it somewhere. She goes, "You want a few bags?" I'm like, "Yeah, no, great. I'll get to it." And then it's just all sitting in the greenhouse. Yeah. Well, it's okay. I can sit there for the winter and, and wait until the spring. I always do my blueberries uh, and my rhododendrons in the spring. So, and and you can do it really anytime until like even up to mid-May and still be fine. I think earlier is a little better, like, like a- March, oh, March, April. Or April? Okay. Yeah, late March, early April is going to be better, but, um, you know, you can do it as late as mid-May and still be okay. Okay. All right. You got time for a comment about dahlias? Sure. Um, I, I grow a lot of dahlias, and this time last year, I commented to you that uh, in, this, in the south, uh, they don't dig the dahlias. They don't have to because they winter over in the ground. And I thought, well, therefore, they don't get divided, do they? No. And so I thought, well, why, why do you always divide them when you dig them up? And so you said, well, just try it. So I just, I just dug them all up in a clump and uh, dried them out. And this spring, I put them back in the ground, and they were huge. I mean, I was amazed. I got 10, 12, you know, stalks were <laughs> planted. It was you fantastic. Know, you know, John, that's interesting you bring that up because I just did a story on somebody who's been saving their great grandmother's dahlia, and she does the same thing. Mm-hmm. She doesn't split. Uh-huh. Up, she doesn't split them at all. John, what got you into dahlias? Um, really strange. We had just moved in, and we were going. We were walking through Costco, and we saw this big deal of uh, this big bag of dahlias, and I thought they're pretty. Maybe I'll buy some. And well. <laughs> 
you know, 25 or 30 dahlias later, they're all over the place. Yeah, they are one plant that is easy to collect because there's so many great colors and flower and then, forms. Yeah. How did you learn how to uh, save them over the winter? Listening to you all. All right, good answer. So Bonus point. Tell people how you uh, you save those dahlias over the winter. How do you how do you store them? Um, in vermiculite, I just I just uh, dig them up, dry them off, and uh, you know knock off as much of the dirt as I can, and then uh, just bury them in vermiculite. And do you have a favorite variety? Um, I, I got a brand new one called Lake Michigan, Ooh. which is a uh, um, it's a variegated. A little bit of white, pink, purple, yellow. Uh, I just love the. I love those kinds of things where you have them. They bleed from one color into another. And I'm I'm really enjoying that one. Oh, that's awesome, John! Thanks so much for your call. Dahlias, man, they're they're something everybody should grow. But well, I was I always say this. I always say people won't grow them because they don't want to save the tuber. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to save the tuber, that's okay. Just grow them as an annual. Right, treat it as an annual and just, you know, you can buy the tubers inexpensively in the spring, get them started because, you know, they're going into their prime time when other things are kind of fading away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I love about them. I got a couple friends that are just really, really into dahlias. And I, I love going over there when they're in their peak uh, because dahlias, they just can be, there's so many different forms of right. a dahlia. And I actually had one over winter in my garden last year, I which had, was pretty exciting. Oh, last year? Yeah, this past winter. Wow. Yep. And it came back this spring. It was a pink one. I don't even remember where I you know, got the tuber from originally. Somebody probably gave it to me. And I had planted it really late the, the season before. Like, I don't think it even went in the ground until early July. And so I didn't expect it to bloom. And I think it maybe got one or two flowers that first year, and that was it. And then I didn't dig it out because I was like, eh, it wasn't that great, you know, whatever. And then the next spring it came back. And it, this year it bloomed like crazy. Wow. I, didn't, I didn't stake it as well as I should have, so it was kind of floppy. But um, it was nice to have, and it bloomed really early it because had a, it had been in it there. It had a rambling form? It definitely <laughs> had a rambling. It was, sort, it was actually sort of partially upright because I partially staked it and then that should didn't. Be in the cat- so that should be in the catalog description. Partially, partially upright. <laughs> And as the catalogs have come in, it's funny for me. Usually it's very exciting for me, but I'm I'm not getting excited about new things for some reason. I Last year I grew a bunch of new tomatoes, and my old standards were just so much better. You know, I you got excited about the Smurf one. Yeah, it was a letdown. And yeah. I, I grew a, a couple different ones that were on the c- covers of catalogs. They didn't taste any. They didn't taste like my good heart of Italy and my Limbaugh legacy potato top. The only thing I'm kind of intrigued about again this year are the habaneros that don't have heat. Yeah, I actually had a hot pepper uh, <laughs> extravaganza the other day where a friend came over, my son came over, and I got all the different hot peppers from a ghost pepper all the way down to like uh, Tabasco was the, the the coolest, the mildest one, so to speak. Stripped all the seeds out and just started eating little pieces oh of them. Oh, my gosh. It was so much fun. Hopefully you started with the mild and worked your That's way a, up to the, the wild. That was the way I, okay. I did it. But I'll tell Good. you what, the, the thing you in it, I couldn't imagine, first off, eating those. And these, I'm talking minuscule little pieces. Yeah. Well, okay? that's all you need with some of those. Woo. Yeah. But as that heat increases, 
the flavor does too. Yeah. Um, that the Trinidad Scorpion, I don't know if it's hotter than the ghost pepper, but that Trinidad Scorpion was one that was one of the, one of the winners. But the, the, there's a new one called roulette that is a, <laughs> that is a habanero that just has a hundred Scovilles. Okay. So uh, a Tabasco has 10,000 Scovilles. So a hundred Scovilles. But is it one? See, so from the name roulette, that leads me to believe that perhaps <laughs> one out of every 10 fruits on that particular plant might be super hot, right? Because some plants are like that. Some peppers are like that, where you get ones that are really mild, and then all of a sudden you get one that's totally that's wild. Hap- that's like actually, the Chinese five-color one well, is that way actually sometimes. happened with the Scotch bonnet that we were testing. It, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't what it was supposed to be. But when you look at the description, you can see that it's like it's like there could be 50,000 Scovilles, could be 100,000 Scovilles, right. and that's a that's you, a big difference. It's a big risk. To, yeah. it, you got to like hot peppers I if think you're, you're right about that roulette. Risk. That'll be interesting. When we first had a habanero that was sweet, it was one called Zavery that I got from uh, Brenkel's Organic Farm, and they had put them into my uh, my bag with my CSA. He said, try these. And I had, my son is always the one who has to try things first, and he ate one, and he was like, oh, man, he was waiting for the, the pain. Yeah. And it never came. Oh. So that, that's probably the only thing I'm excited about. I had a client once years ago where we took, helped take care of their vegetable garden. And they, uh, the, they had, the, the wife had bought a bunch of peppers and tomatoes and stuff at the farmer's market and had us plant them. And we tended through the season. And then we showed up to take care of the garden one time. And she came out and she said, oh, my gosh. She said, I made myself a salad the other day. And I came out and I picked these pretty little orange peppers. And I thought this was going to be such a great salad. And I chopped it up and I put it in my salad. And she said, I took one bite and I thought my head was going to explode. Here it was a scotch bonnet. All right. Here is the number to dial to be on the program to get a question answered with Doug and Jess. We have all of our lines available at 866-391-1020. 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access. KDKRadio.com. You can text us on the Red Automotive line. The best deal in town. All right, 10th caller right now wins a $25 gift certificate from Janoski's Route 30 in Clinton, second day of their Christmas open house underway shortly. But in the meantime, Doug Oster is always underway with something. Right, before we get to the phones, come see the Gardening Santa at Han Nursery today from 2 to 4 p.m. Great way to get free photos with the kids, family, pets. Everybody gets a picture with Santa. It's absolutely free. Refreshments will be served, and there's a cool pizza food truck selling pizzas there, too. I'm looking forward to that. I mean, Santa Claus is probably looking forward to that. Does Santa, would, does Santa would... like pizza if it doesn't come with beer? <laughs> we'll have to ask him when I see him. Eggnog, eggnog, eggnog. eggnog. There you go. There How are go. the pets with Santa? Oh, uh, that's that's a lot of fun from what I've heard. <laughs> so if I bring out a uh, python, you'll be coming uh, up to Santa. Heck yeah. Be coming <laughs> yeah. Up to Mostly okay. dogs and cats, but... Okay. Whatever you, whatever floats your boat, Rob. Good stuff. Okay. <laughs> let's uh, go to the phones and say hi. Who is next? Are they all really pretty much? I just start at the top. We'll... Okay. okay. We'll Good. go to Butler and say hi to Scott. Scott, how you doing? Welcome to KDK Radio. Good morning. Hey, I have some hostas in my flower beds, and they're really big and healthy, and they're gigantic. So I want to cut them back, but I don't know if there's like a ratio between how big the plant is in the ground and how far out the leaves are going to stretch. So do you mean you want to divide the plant? Yes, okay. I want to divide them. Okay. So um, when you divide, you can, as long as the division has a shoot system 
and a root system attached to it, it's going to be a viable division. So you can take that big clump of hosta and you can cut it in half. You can cut it in quarters. You can cut it into sixth. So it, you can go down into a little teeny tiny, you know, one little pip of growth on the top and a little section of roots and you'll have a viable division. Um, how far the leaf canopy spreads out from what you see now, the little, you know, spikes with, that would yeah. be emerging, um, it depends on the variety. Some are more upright than others. Some are more compact than uh, others. So there's really no way to say, hey, it's going to be, you know, three feet wide or four feet wide unless you know the exact variety of that hosta. It, it's hard to, to kill a hosta. Yeah. And I like to do that. I like to do that dividing right when they're kind of coming up before they've uh, leafed out. Yeah, like in early April. Yeah, oh. mm-hmm. yeah, okay. that, that's a good time to do it. And you know, give your divisions away or move them to other parts of the garden. That's a fun thing to do. And I think I like to do it that time of the year because it, it's not so noticeable. You can do it later, but when you start cutting out of the plant when it's already leafed out, yeah. it doesn't look right. Great. Thank okay. you very much. Thanks, Scott. All right, next up, it's Ken and Irwin for Doug and Jeff's on the Organic Gardeners. Go ahead. Hey, Ken. Uh, yes, uh, I've been planting garlic for, oh, about 40-some years now. Never a problem. Uh, this year, I planted like I usually plant around uh, 8th of October. But uh, none of them sprouted up through. Usually they sprout up through the ground about two or three inches, you know. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, nothing this year. I don't know. I wonder what the what the mm, problem is. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure either because a lot of the garlic has sprouted. You know, I, I, from my all my garlic people, mm-hmm. <laughs> they've said the same thing that it sprouted up. But I, I wouldn't be too worried, especially with your expertise. Um, Did you plant all the same variety, or is it mixed varieties? No, no, it's, it's same variety. All the uh, German red, you know. Okay. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I got a little stick, and I at the very end of the one row, I uh, noticed one that just sprouted oh, about a quarter of an inch, you know. Started sprouting a little bit, then I just covered it up. I don't want to bother any bother yeah. with it. But I, I think it'll so, be okay. I, I would I would wait and just just see what happens, you know. Especially with your expertise in garlic planting, yeah. uh, mine has not sprouted, but I planted a little later than yours. I and, see. And so I've I've got. Two different plantings at different times. I did not get enough garlic in this year. You know, one thing you could do as sort of a little test for it is if you can locate sort of the end of a row, maybe dig one of the cloves up and see if you have a root system developing on that clove. Because even if you don't have a sprout that's, you know, emerged from the soil, the, uh-huh. the, the, a bigger indication of health would be whether or not that root system looks good on that little uh, clove. So maybe dig one up and see how it looks. Is it mushy and soft? Because you certainly wouldn't want, you know, uh, you would want to plant some more if you could, if you had developed rot on all of those. But oh. I think looking at the roots would be a good way to tell. Ken, I, Ken, I, heard, Ken I heard you groan when she said rot. Yeah. <laughs> That's the worst have, thing that could happen we've to, had a, a, lot of rain, to so. a garlic grower. Mm-hmm. Have you ever experienced anything like that and, and then still have them uh, sprout up in the in, in the spring? Or? Oh, yeah. I've, I mean, I've had garlic that didn't poke up at all in the fall, and I don't see any signs of it until the following spring, and, and it's just fine. In fact, most of the calls we get are people worried because it sprouts up in, right. in, in, the, in the fall. So oh, I think I think Jess has a great idea. Go in there, go at the end of the row, or maybe that one that you saw that just kind of sprouted up a little bit will give you an indication where the other ones are. 
take a look at two or three of them. And as long as they're the cloves look nice and white and they've got right. some uh, some root growth, you'll be good to go. You, that that'll make you sleep well at night. Very very encouraging. Okay, thank you very much. All right, thank Ken. you. All right, let's take another call. Let's go to Melanie in Darlington, Pennsylvania. Hi, Melanie. Yes. Uh, good morning, Doug. Good morning, Jess. Uh, I have two Christmas cacti that were given to me, and the one is an heirloom. It's been around a long time, and I've had it for probably five years. I've never been able to get either one of them to bloom, and I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And the big one, I might have to repot it or whatever, but the the leaves that are like shriveling somewhat on them. I mean, not curling up or anything, but I'm lost. I don't know what to do. So a couple things. Um, number one, people often don't realize that Christmas cactus actually aren't cactus, uh, that they are a native of a warm, tropical rainforest climate. So just because cactus is in the common name doesn't mean that you should be treating them as if they're a cactus. So they actually do like rooms with moderate amount of humidity. They like to be watered regularly. The light. The light really matters with the blooming, which we'll talk about in a second. But with the when you talk about the leaves kind of being shrivelly and things, that could be because you're not watering them as frequently as they would like. Um, so you might want to you know take that into consideration. If it is overgrown and super pot bound, that soil could be drying out even more quickly because it's not absorbing as much moisture because it's so pot bound. So that okay. could be influencing whether or not those leaves look a little puckered and shrivelly as well. Uh, as far as not getting it to bloom, have you done anything in terms of a light treatment where you're, you know, putting them in a closet for 12 hours or anything like that? I had put them in a dark room, um, both of them in a dark room, and kept them in there for all oh, probably about 10 hours a day, and then brought them out, and then took them back in, and brought them out, but it didn't. I. I guess I didn't stay consistent with that. How long are you to do that for? Yeah, so it's really, um, I'd have to look up the specific, and it does depend on the different species and varieties of Christmas cactus because there's lots of different ones out there. But I like to do 12 hours day and 12 hours dark. 12 hours light, 12 hours dark, because that is going to cover my bases. If if the peri- It's actually the period of darkness. It's called photo- photoperiodism. It's a period of darkness that initiates the bloom set. So if you do it 12 hours, you know that you're covered. Uh, you know, if, if it's a 10-hour one, if it's an 11-hour variety, you know you're covered. And I would do that for about six weeks. Oh, it is a okay. It is quite a job. Now, there are varieties, newer varieties especially, that are less sensitive to that and that will bloom, you know, with a little bit less fuss. But when you're talking about old varieties like that where, you know, they might be more reliant on photoperiodism in order to initiate bloom, it's a lot harder to get them to bloom. That's why often we talk about a, a Christmas cactus being a Thanksgiving cactus or an Easter cactus. Right. They react on the windowsill differently than doing that 12 hours. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. All right, is. short break. We'll come back. And when we return, more of your phone calls, you can join us at 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdkradio.com. Or you can text us on the right automotive line, the best deal in town. Coons Cooking Hour, less than 20 minutes away. Shrimp recipes, serving dishes, and we'll sprinkle in some great Hanukkah recipes, today being day one of Hanukkah. So uh, have a happy holiday to all of my friends of the Jewish faith as they celebrate the Festival of Lights. All right, number to dial to be on the program, 866-391-1020, dollar bank, instant access, kdkradio.com, or you can text us on the Red Automotive line, the best deal in town. Out to Irwin again today, our third caller from that part of western Pennsylvania this morning, and here's Joe. Joe, you're on the Organic Gardeners on KD. KA Radio. 
Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Good morning. How are you? Very good. Hey, got a question. My power company came down yesterday and advised me I have arbovitis in my driveway. They're about 25 foot tall, about 40 years old. They advised me they're going to do some trimming on these things. I'm worried about that because they said it's going to be a third-party system coming in, not knowing if they know how to trim right or not. But my question is, uh, they told me December this month or next month they will be here. I'm worried about the health if they come in and chop these things up. Uh, um, is it the right time to do it now? I don't think I have any say-so, though. Yeah, you don't have a choice, unfortunately. The only thing that you could do, and that I would, if I were in your situation with 25 feet arbovita and that you're worried about, I would call the folks at Davy Tree, and I would have one of their arborists come out. They'll come out and they'll look, take a look at the trees for free and assess them. They'll take a look at the health. And they actually um, could trim them for you. You would have to pay for it. But they can trim them to the power line specs so that you, that third-party people that you don't know whether or not you should trust um, wouldn't have to necessarily touch them. So, um, I, you know, that's your only option as far as I know of because you, with the and power it, lines, they've got domain I don't know what, yeah, what your rights you know? are as far as that, as far as your trees. Are they up in the wires, Joe? Uh just on about a quarter part of it coming off the road down the driveway. Um, you know, they're, they're real thin up on top. You know, it's not a, it's not a heavy branch like it is down on the bottom. Right. But, um, you know, I know, I know I don't have a say so cause I called some people, uh, called some people up, but Davies is right out here in North Huntington. I yeah. will give them a call and see yeah. what they have to that's say. That's what I do. I think it, that's the best way to protect your asset with that tree and really make sure that if they get trimmed, that they're trimmed properly. Time for Mrs. Know-It-All. She's a grower, horticulturist, and our garden goddess. Good morning, Denise. Uh, good morning. So the lady who called about her Christmas cactus, one of the most important things, besides giving it darkness, is it really needs uh, cooler temperatures to induce bloom. And that's true with a, a lot of plants. Not all, but a lot of them. So if she has the, if she has a um, place in maybe a basement or, you know, her garage where it's near a window, um, but at the same time it's cooler um, than the rest of her house because I'm afraid putting it in the closet, it's just going to stay too warm, and it really does need those cooler temperatures. So she could put it there, and if it's in a basement or a garage, she probably wouldn't even have to worry about giving it total darkness because at that point, you know, we're actually going into the end of daylight savings time, unfortunately. And this way it, you know, would get its uh, 12 hours of darkness, but it would also get the cooler temperatures. It likes between actually 50 and 60 degrees. So, you know, to us that's cold. Plant, we always want to keep our homes warm for plants, mm-hmm. but our plants are perfectly comfortable down to 55 degrees mm-hmm. easily in the house. So, you know, putting them in a cool room actually, you know, reduces the chances of disease and of insect populations growing on them. Yeah, and that I like the garage idea as well because then they can be subjected to the natural day length, right? Because most people don't have any supplemental lighting in their garage other than when you go in or out and that uh, can then subject them to the natural day and night cycles which will help induce the bloom. Do you have any Christmas cactus? I do not. No, my sister actually has my grandmother's and it's huge Mm, and it's very happy she has it on her first floor bathroom 
which does stay a little bit cooler because it's off of the garage and it just sits. She doesn't have to do, you know, forced lighting because that room is, you know, there's no supplemental lighting in another one. They use the bathroom and they don't use that bathroom that often. So it's sort of a nice natural, the, you know, the, day and night. The stories that I've done on some of the ones like from, you know, grandparents and great grandparents, uh, they've all kind of kept them in the same pot, mm-hmm. you know, even though they become pot bound, but they just give them the right water and put them on that windowsill. Mine just stay on the windowsill and they bloom when they're ready. I've got yeah. one that's getting ready right now. So it might, the timing might be right. Whoa. Rarely does that happen right. in my house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing that uh, I'm thinking about planting on the windowsill are paper whites and amaryllis. Yes, uh, I just wrote about those for the paper. I planted a new one called Winter Sun. A paper white called Winter Sun that has kind of a, a yellow center, which I had never saw before. Oh, wow. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, something a little bit different, you know. You know about paper whites. I love the the aroma of them, but not me. Yeah, not ever. Just one in the whole house yeah, is all you yeah. need. <laughs> I, just for me to have something to me that smells like a spring daffodil. Uh-huh. It doesn't smell like that to everybody though. No, it smells like a overwhelming perfume to me. And then uh, amaryllis. You got to have your amaryllis. I think. I, yeah. I just, I love having... No, you know the paper white trick with the booze, right? Mm-mm. Okay, so the Bulb in Research Institute at Cornell, they did some research and found that if you water your paper white bulbs with um, a mixture of, I'm trying to think of the percentage, 4 to 6% alcohol, meaning vodka or gin, mixed in with your water, so 4 to 6%, it actually keeps you from having to stake. It, they keep shorter and stockier, and then you don't have to stake. They don't flop all over the place. Look at you. You're the gardening bartender. So, I know, right? <laughs> so you can have a little for yourself and a little for the paper whites. And they say it works for amaryllis. A little bit more for yourself, a little bit more for paper white. <laughs> Nothing but some stewed tomatoes for both of you, right? <laughs> all right, listen, uh, real quick, Doug. You're going to be uh, spending a little time with somebody very special later today. Yes, I'm going to be hanging out with the gardening Santa today at Han Nursery from 2 to 4 p.m. Great way to get some free photos for for your kids, the family pets. It's very easy to do and very fun. Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden and a safer place to live.